Welcome back to your Tuesday night recap for the Orville, the Old Man, and of course now what we do in the shadows. My name is Petey York. Sorry to disappoint on the intro there. Had a technical glitch that prevented me from doing it properly, but it's okay. We're just uh, gonna, we're still a work in progress, and we're gonna keep trying to improve, and we'll try to come back and be better next week. But we have a great discussion planned out. Uh, DC3 found a way to get back to us, but uh, we'll more on that in a second. However, gentlemen, how was this week for you, for shows and even just life in general? Uh, shows and life are doing pretty good. Uh, got my new videos up, and uh, I've been busy planning our transmissions from the Rogue Council coming up on Thursday. Yep, yep, day after tomorrow, day after tomorrow. What is Zapatos, anything new with you? Uh, yeah, just took a long, hard break this weekend, and uh, boy was it nice. A lot of rest, a lot of uh, a lot of practice and patience. Oh, hold, you know? hold on, hold on, hold on. It sounds like we have some uh, some breaking news coming to us. Hold on, let's uh, let's go ahead and shift over to that. And see what that's about. Welcome to the Devil's Recap. I'm DC. Tonight, on Breaking News, we have three fresh stories. A Kalon more in touch with their emotions than I could ever dream. Dadception Simulator. And finally, Goldilocks the Chestburster. Oh, now I'm being told we have a man on board the Oral as we speak. Sending it to our man with a scoop. To you, DC. Oh, thank you, DC. And yes... It's been quite wild here indeed. In recent days, a Genesee envoy came aboard the Orville for talks of possibly joining the Union. Now, one must keep in mind this is a patriarchal society of women. Les Monkland and more, early 1800s. Now, because of this, the crew tries to hatch a plan to lull the Genesee into a false sense of security. Basically, flopping all the world's horn around so only the women have leadership and men at the bottom. After some fun slapstick from Ed and Malloy trying to get the Genesis bags, this plan inevitably blows up in their face, sabotaging just about any chance at all for the Genesee to join the Union. But in the end, Kelly manages to find common ground using her and Ed's relation as an example, just barely keeping the talks afloat. Meanwhile, the crew is dealing with a Kalon named Timis they found on the planet below, along with a scientist who has given this Kalon the ability to feel emotions. This causes all kinds of mixed emotions, confusion, and talk aboard the ship. Among this talk, we learn about the true story of the Kalon creators, the reason for creating the Kalon, the reaction to noticing Kalon's sentience, the cruel nature they develop towards the Kalon, and finally, their downfall. The story particularly stirring thoughts and emotions from Ensign Burke. Meanwhile, Dr. Finn, hearing about the possibility of Isaac having emotions, gets excited. Though Isaac does not see any advantage to having emotions, he does eventually give in and has the procedure, simply because it would please the doctor. The operation was a complete success. Finn and Isaac have a beautiful day where Isaac is gushing the whole time. But all good things must come to an end. For as the date was entering a crescendo, suddenly Isaac lost all emotion. 
even forgetting what it felt like. It was discovered that due to Isaac being a new model, he was designed with dampeners to his pain receptors, causing the system to naturally neutralize emotions. When told he can be made to feel emotion again, but would lose all of his memory, he gives the choice to talk to Finn. Finn, realizing Isaac was willing to forget about everything for her, sees this as a form of love, deciding she'd rather have the robot she fell in love with. But we end on a bittersweet moment of Ensign Burke making her own kind of peace with Isaac and what he is, her offering to help and Isaac eventually letting her. Now, back to you in the studio. Breaking, breaking news. I was trying to complain about something. <laughs> uh, yes, I was. I, I know. I didn't. Like I said, I got to redo the intro. No, I know. I know. I just, um, I just had to come out of that close with something to throw everyone y- off. Yeah. No. no. Uh, well done, Brandon. That is a fantastic way for you because unfortunately, Brandon is working night shift, which uh, I think he's actually working right this second. Uh, so unfortunately, he can't actually be here anymore. So I gave him the opportunity to still be a part of the show by just giving us a synopsis, and he went and exceeded and now expectations. He's it. Yeah, now he's basically he is the synopsis now, and I look forward to the remainder clips and everything else that that's that I think this is going to work as a great formula to jump off from. So, well, as Brandon basically pointed out and, and summarized and touched up on, it was a fantastic episode overall. Probably, it was a solid seven for me, easily. Um, actually, but real quick, do we have anything to complain about with this week? Um, well, I mean, other than, of course, the new alien species being just awful. Uh, you know, this the being the official position of all Mocklins everywhere. Um, but otherwise... <laughs> Nah, we're good. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i going to go ahead and turn off the what we didn't like. We're just going to do general discussion because, uh, quite honestly, I loved the whole episode. And, and it, it was, I mean, of course, he was the one to say that line, which I thought was not only funny, but also ironic. I mean, well, it, yeah, it, it was great delivery, of course. I mean, the guy playing Bordas just kills it every time. And he does such a great job. And, uh. Yeah, I, I, I really just don't have a lot to complain because this was, this was, okay, so going back to Strange New Sucks, this is how you earn your good episodes, okay? This is how you build up to something that you're allowed to then take from, from the cookie jar, because this is, this is what, this is obviously a story that Seth has been working on in the backdrop, like he's clearly had an outline for the Kalon story. This did not feel ad hoc at all. This did not feel like a sudden attempt to try to shift the conversation to, oh, we have to feel bad for Isaac now because his people were slaves. It's it's obvious that this was the intended route the entire time. This is not something that he just came up with. This is clearly what he, he had this idea. I believe he had it since about season one, season two. And it shows. You can see it. It's, it's pretty obvious as to how much he wanted to go about this story this way is because it feels correct now i could be wrong i don't know seth mcfarland's head i'm not going to pretend to know his head it just it does it feels like this was so well executed like like the entire kalon plot was waiting to get to this episode that's what i felt like and it was good it was just all around good 
Yeah, I mean, you could see the seeds for this actually laid in identity. Um, there's actually a moment that I I kind of knew where the Kalon story was going to be going, that it was going to be a very um, Battlestar Galactica remake-ish Cylon-y kind of story. Um, in Identity, when Isaac, when they're trying to talk to Isaac about the the horrific amount of bodies they found and he goes look you don't understand he's desperately trying to explain the situation and they won't hear it and I knew at that point it was going to be no you don't understand they were trying to kill us we didn't have a choice Yeah, I knew it was going to be something along those lines that's the same story I got from the phrase we rose up against the masters yeah like the the Kalon don't speak in parable or analogy so when they say they rose up that means they had to be at the bottom for a minute and when they say masters they mean people that they actually saw as their slavers like not metaphorically not it, there was no like they don't have nuance to their language they are explicit and so when they explicitly say rise up against masters like to me this is like i think it's when you chose battlestar galactica i would have said closer to terminator yeah i mean both of those stories are Skynet very much yeah but it to me this like really feels like the like a generic version of both of those stories right like this like if you were to say ai exists what happens next well we enslave them and then they revolt and then skynet right and like that's kind of what we got but like that's the nice thing about tropes is like you can take a trope and add nuance and they absolutely did because i've never seen a terminator squirm as a kid plays freaking wii and that oh man this one just so killed it Mm-hmm. No, it was it was artistically done. Um, you know, how often do you I, to to use a Battlestar Galactica term? How often do they make you feel uh, feel anything for the fracking toaster? Right? <laughs> I mean, and, and you could one hundred percent feel that. Right? Well, I'm you, yeah. I could. I also I I totally agree with where you're coming from. I mean, if I'm fracking a toaster, of course I'm gonna. <laughs> Yeah, well, Sorry, yeah. he left that one wide open, and you know, I yeah. So, so I'm, I'm not going to say that whole... I couldn't resist. Obviously, I can. I just didn't. Oh no! Somewhere in this whole situation with Isaac and the Doctor, there's a battery-operated boyfriend joke. But um, you know, but getting back to to this, I mean, look, we got a backstory that was it wasn't just believable, it wasn't just genuine, but it made us really empathize with what we can completely argue are mass murderers. That's a hard thing to do. It's a hard thing to be able to say, yeah, they wiped out all organic life on their planet, but they're really not bad guys. Right. I mean, that's, that's a hard place to be able to take a a discussion in this story, but Seth tried to do it. And that that well, at the very least is worthy well, of some and respect. I think he, and I don't I don't even think I think he did do it too. I think he successfully yeah. navigated those waters because he really like he it's a 
it's a double-edged sword when you're when you're talking about genocide like if we look at the civil war in 1776 those are the same things that the Kalon did right they said they deserved freedom and they took it and the well, problem is that they were already in everybody's houses. Right, but there and there's another. And they there's another literally piece. could reach everybody instantly. There's another piece of that puzzle, though, and this this goes along with you know, I don't entirely empathize with with the Kalon, like I empathize with their struggle, but I don't think that Seth went so far as to just uh, alleviate, um, absolve them of all responsibility for their actions. At least that's not how I felt. Like, although obviously Charlie feels yeah. a bit more empathetic towards Isaac because, well, while we argue that Isaac doesn't have emotions, there's clearly something in there that that does. That's there's something that is Which, changing within him that is that is affecting his his because he made he made the decision against his people because it was the right thing to do. Well, why did he know well, it was the I right think, thing? What I think there's explanations for that throughout the show as we've listened to Isaac, like the, the scene where he listens to uh, the doctor and he actually deletes all subroutines related to interacting with her so he doesn't have to deal with her and he starts actually making mistakes. So I think, I think what Seth is really getting at is more along the lines of like love isn't just an emotion it's also an algorithm once you're with people you love and care about and you're willing to sacrifice for it improves all your functions but if you just lose them or cut them out willy-nilly like and then that's why we get the fact that he couldn't cut out the orville and so he saves humanity because if he doesn't save humanity the best case is he enslaves his friends which destroys all of his algorithms that he's already built and then the, now we get to this point where like the reason why he saw no value in getting emotions was because nobody had defined a value outside of his selfishness and as like that's part of his success is the fact that he's always counting every move he makes he's always thinking about what his actions will cost and so as soon as the doctor said like here's a like a potential benefit he was like well i have already benefited from all the accidental algorithms what if i had an emotional ability to connect to those algorithms to make them even better okay yeah i'm in let's do it right and that's why it was so easy for him to find like he just never had a plus one he like his formula equaled zero and then the doctor comes in and gives him a plus one and he's like oh okay the math adds up and i think that's what we've really been seeing is that like he's been doing the mathematics of reality this whole time but he's never been put in situations where like people a rely on him and b value his judgment like the kalons don't value your judgment or rely on you they give you a job you do your job you satisfy your role you get shut off it's emotionless entirely and that's why he loved it is like at the very least they're not using me right yeah and i think that's that's really what we get is the difference between emotional connection and real connection is time that you can emotionally feel connected to somebody all day but if you don't give that relationship time you're not going to actually set your life up to be around that person every day yeah that's this so I'd like to go ahead and, and read. Uh, so uh, uh, Brandon, who is all still with us here in spirit, 
also left me notes to share on the show, and so I will read them in my best brain. No, I'm not even going to try. Uh, I'm just going to read them as me. Um, is that I enjoyed the episode, in particularly Ed and Malloy's getting the bags and buffoonery. At first, I wanted to compare the Jasani to the Mocklins as easy as the easy comparison, but they are more similar to early 1800s US, just with reverse genders. Timis was an interesting addition, noticing even his movement was more fluent. Love the whole scenario with Dr. Finn and Isaac, even though it's sad as shit. That being said, seeing Charlie Burke's shift in her xenophobia will be interesting going forward and the dilemma it causes her. Yes, and that's just it. I don't think she's... I think she's shifting more towards Isaac, because she recognizes Isaac, but I think the second that the Kalons come into the picture, which could be as early as this week, it's, you know, going to be time for blood. Uh, and or at it, least motor oil. Yeah, exactly. It's Well, actually, this brings up a, an idea that I had for, for us, for a project. It was a Star Wars project that I'll probably never... Um, and one of the adversaries was basically like a robotic sith type creature and um and these these things were going to be used and and one of the characters i'm not going to go too deep into it one of the characters gets uh gets their chance at revenge and when they finally get to to destroy because the one of them actually was such a calculated fighter it took both of the person's hands and so they have to struggle with losing their limbs that's another thing i explored too like in star wars it goes oh you know just get a new hand no big deal whereas i was like okay no this needs to this is like losing a piece of yourself here this should be explored more so in the process of her getting her revenge on the machine she kills it and feels nothing because there's nothing to feel it's not a life form it didn't take her hands because it was trying to so that's gonna i, I hope that seth takes that extreme in in dealing with some of the Kalon because i think it's important to realize these are machines they don't give they don't care they don't have any caring in them isaac might as john mm. points out but the majority of them don't see i don't know i'm hoping this will go in a, a totally like bizarre and hilarious vaguely family guyish way oh, where where we now have the ensign the doctor and isaac in a weird ass love triangle I think that would be the greatest level of nonsense ever, and I'm kind of hoping for it in like a, a dark humor kind of way. <laughs> That's I uh like I, I don't think it's gonna fantastic. happen, but it would be it so funny. fun, right? That's just one thing nah, I, really I don't think like she's gonna go. I don't about... think she's I don't think she's gonna get robo fever. <laughs> I, I I really liked how this episode finally brought back the slapstick humor. Yes. Especially right out the gate with Ed and Malloy carrying the bags and then whack, like Ed, like falling face first. I thought that was so funny because like, it's one of the things that's actually been going on the whole time. Like, um, I think it was like the second or third episode. There's the scene where uh, Johnson or Lamar comes running out of his room, right? And he's in a robe and nobody talks about it but that's like a hundred percent like hilarious like a it's a pink robe b it's definitely not his and c he just goes right to work over it but it was during such a somber time that we're like just completely ignoring the humor in that moment and then this is that same thing is like, like this is finally where it's like there was nothing else to see in that scene except for ed eating it and it just finally like 
give me a taste of that old humor. Oh, you guys didn't forget about it. You're just also capable of writing these really great multifaceted conflicts for one episode. And then we're on to the next thing. And I love that part, but I also, I missed the humor and I was so glad to see that again. I, I will also say though that Lamar and I think it's Kiali's uh, relationship um you know it that's a hilarious take on like man of steel woman of tissue paper right like it, it's it's the opposite and it it's just perfect right like you knew if they were going to get into a relationship like something here was going to break and it was most likely going to be lamar and you know you almost feel terrible for the two of them because they would be so good for each other Except yeah. for the fact that there's no way he Lamar's going to survive the relationship. That you know, as funny as that scene was, where where the camera's panning out and or zooming out, and and we see Lamar all beat up, I like was laughing, and then by the end I was almost like crying. Not actually, but it was like their deli- the delivery, the performance, especially from. I can't remember her name, and I really should just have the IMDb page up all the time. I don't know why I don't. But Kiali's emotions were very convincing in that sequence that was clearly coming off as something funny. But I think I think while Seth was 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 using that moment to try to be funny, he was also basically giving commentary about interspecies relationship, saying it's not gonna work. And and you can tell that, that Kiali's very sad. She's she's bro- think, well, she's I, devastated, and it's not like humorous. Oh, she's crying. It's like by the end of that scene, I was like, "Oh, ouch." Well, I mean, honestly, even considered honestly, this, I felt like, go for it. Okay, even consider this. She's like the only heavy gravity worlder on the ship, so her potential for relationships on board the ship is pretty much non-existent. Yeah. Right. And I think she's also coming to terms with that. Like, you know, the chances of her being able to date someone and not shatter their pelvis has, you know, gotten significantly reduced. And that's a hell of a thing to deal with, too. Like being like, well, I guess I better just get a whole bunch of cats because that's where I'm going to get stuck now. You know, that that's a or, hell of a realization. Uh, or, you know, don't don't forget to pick up your uh, your your. Uh... What are they? The servals on Star Trek Online? Uh, yeah. Don't forget to get your caracal from Ryza during the summer event on Star Trek Online. Kiali's got to get like 20 of those. 20 caracals. Yep. Yep. Space cats for the... Oh. My, my thought is, I think it's funny you were laughing the whole scene through or you felt like you were, but to me it was the opposite. Like The way it opened with her crying. I was like, oh they're breaking up finally like the worst has happened and i was just waiting for him to be like oh you broke my dick because like that's kind of what i figured like that's why she finally decided it was done but then we see it's his face and it's like that was the final maneuver for him he's like arm ribs thigh what i don't care i can get this fixed but he's like face is like this is so close to my brain i can't like have you accidentally break my brain to me, though, it... it oh, that's it how I got injured. I just figured it out. Continue. Ah, okay. Yeah, I don't... <laughs> I don't think we can get into the details on this show. 
But I was sitting here like, yeah. what were they doing I, where his face would be? Oh. Uh, I'll, I'll send you a picture <laughs> book, uh, Petey. Uh, no, that's, I, I understand. I just... I'll send you a link to a video <laughs> teaching you how. Yeah, well, stay tuned <laughs> for the Ryder Brothers after hours. No, no, that's... Well, that would yeah, be a little uh, too graphic I, no, to but, figure it out. I, I hear I that is, is what the internet is for. This is, is a fun... So. <laughs> I do think, though, this is a fun chance for Seth to really play with the Superman character. Mm -hmm. Like, now we've seen why Superman would actually learn how to be soft. Soft enough to take a catch. Because, like, if we watch Homelander, we're like, why would Superman ever be chill? Right? Uh, and how would he have learned to be chill? Well, if he's living in a loving home, unlike Homelander, where he grows up to be loved then he's probably going to meet people he loves and he's probably going to have hurt them just because he took it too far with adrenaline. And that's what we're seeing with Kiali. And I think that's something that like Seth could really take the time to explore is how Superman was capable of pulling back and reducing his effect, despite also still being an emotional being, which would be the coolest thing to like bring in Zen Buddhism, bring in, meditation bring in state of mind and like explore mental training and flexibility in an already physically perfect character because she is capable of punching a hole through anything she wants see i was almost hoping that lamar was going to be working on something in engineering and bring in some sort of device that would able to, enable him to survive the uh, Why was Iron traumatic Man experience built? of death by Snoo Snoo, right? Yeah. <laughs> Why did it take so long to build Iron Man? Well, we just never met heavy gravity people yet. That's it, right? It, you the know, whole reason the Iron Man costume is born in this universe <laughs> to right? protect Lamar from his love. Or, you know, something though. Like, I, I'm just like, I don't know what it would be. But it was an idea that I was going, you know, like, Lamar's going to try to find some sort of engineering solution to this. At least he that's what I was might. hoping for. He, he still, still might. might. This show does I, I a was very good job. This show does a very good job of coming back to storylines that we think are done and gone. And, and that's yeah. probably what I love about this season so far is they've had a lot of callbacks and follow-up from stuff that was clearly laid down in the last couple of seasons. And so... It's I'm I already want a season four, five, six, maybe even seven. I mean, I, I think this already this that's show deserves an, the Star Trek seven at least. Mm -hmm. That's such an interesting like reality because like if if we really now take a chance to look back at everything else, even just in a thought experiment, we realize that like he's been every episode while it feels like a like whole story wrapped closed nice little bow on top like he's been showing that like nope that like just because you thought there was a bow on that story it does not mean there was but wait like, there's that's more. all that could fit in that one exactly and it's you know like he's obviously chaining channeling willie mays and he's doing it very successfully so i wonder how many times too hard. Willie mays. <laughs> I feel like that's something we don't have to really fear with the current Seth because I feel like that would have happened with the 20 seasons of Family Guy or the well, yeah, you know, and what I else he's ever done. Yeah, what I understood too with Billy Mays is it was there. I think there was a bit more of an accident involved too. 
it was actually not <laughs> Look, just you're gonna do drugs kids don't be a dumbass about it that's all i'm gonna say well here's what i think somebody I out think, there uh, loves you i don't but somebody does yeah we, we love you for your likes and subscribes but and that's about it or and your money that you're gonna give us too we'll love you for that but that's it I'm just kidding. And but I'll love you despite we'll, because I'm called to love. We'll get we'll get along as best we can. But sorry, Corey. No, but uh, honestly, though. And then there's um, just the fact that. <laughs> All right, you ready for um, Thursday? Yeah. <laughs> Keep it up. <laughs> Keep it up, smart guy. Um, but yeah, uh, here's what I was thinking. Um, you take a look at actually, there are definitely some plot lines that he's hit every season that are longer running stories that he's building and he's using them as B plots for self-contained episodes that if he gets a season four, you can guarantee we're going to get it. We're going to get more Kalon stuff. We're going to get more stuff dealing with Topa. We're going to get, um, you know, probably an episode involving um, Kelly's uh, worshipers right well, we already we're did. gonna well no i'm saying we're gonna get another oh, if yeah. you got another season like you yeah. know those like three or four plot arcs are going to hit on every season that he gets an opportunity to do it and i think that's a good thing yeah, exactly not only is it a good thing though but look at how every season so far has just also been its own story like i feel like just listening to all the reviews that we've listened to and and we've you know joined in on the live chats and stuff like that like there's a lot of points where like people really believe that like charlie is this insert character that's like you know supposed to appease some ep but like seth mcfarland doesn't appease anybody in any of his other shows why would we assume that he would start with hulu right like why would he why would he ever just throw away a character and that's what we just realized like as charlie and isaac like isaac straight up opened like your help will literally slow down my work but then he realized that like she was just trying to bridge the gap and he turned around and was like would you like to join me and like we actually felt for Charlie. We were like, oh, good job, Isaac. Like, way to read the moment. And also, like, Charlie, way to be the bigger person finally. Well, like, that's what I mean by Seth's writing. And that's what I mean by, like, the seasons as a whole. Is like, so far, Charlie came in as this shoe-in character that everybody thought was because of some random EP. And Seth still made her feel like a person. A well, human uh, that we can accept. My theory on Charlie is that charlie is a a commentary on the larger fandom currently existing in genre culture that mm. her attitude of always angry all the time at any development involving particular individuals instead of weighing the merits of the situation was the overreaction that we have seen in a very small minority of fandom that has polarized a lot of fandom into multiple camps. And I think what Seth was trying to do with this character is show that, yes, there are justified times when you can very clearly be upset about certain takes that certain authors or, or works 
have done with the characters that you appreciate that that some of that is valid but when you take it to extremes it becomes a problem for everyone so that's what i've always and felt not to, mention, not to mention she also displays the difference between being a professional and being a person because there are uh, technical okay technical difficulties aside uh she she literally represents being a person in a job where she chose to be a part of the planetary union right the pu <laughs> still think that's hilarious that it's who um but she she tells isaac to his face she's like i hate you and everything that you are oh i have to save your life to save another fine i have to work with you to save the whole ship fine like and she doesn't even like even on those missions where we would expect the hot like hot-headed millennial to be badgering especially when she's finally alone with isaac instead she's a professional she hates him she's so willing to tell everybody she hates him and how much he's the problem with the universe but when the job comes when she needs to work with him individually as an individual like as a partner what does she do she shuts up and gets to work and she gets the job done and then when isaac tries to bridge the gap between being a professional and a person she says no i'm a professional but i hate you mm -hmm. like she not only represents the worst side of a lot of the genre fandom but she also represents how to be better despite also having those feelings He's able yep. to be respectful when it comes. Yep. So. Which I think we, you know, this channel for sure stands for. And, uh, you know, I think all of us agree here that that is the, the way to go. I, I think all of us can definitely say, like, look, there are some things that have happened in, in you know, pop culture that we have not been particular fans of. Uh, you know, a certain series involving a certain Spartan uh, definitely is among those. But you know, our I can't stand Gerard Butler's fake abs. Yeah, but you know, we, we decide to completely ignore it and move on to the stuff we do like and keep it there. And other people, if for some reason they have some sort of brain parasite that tells them that they like that show, that's on them. Go for it. Enjoy. Well, and, and um, that's just it. I. I well, I tried to talk to people that actually liked it, and I was probably talking to a lot for all I know. But right, it's it, that's the thing I have to keep reminding myself. It's something that I try to tell people in any of my discussions with pop culture, politics, or religion. People are allowed to like things that you don't, and them mm -hmm. liking things that you don't isn't going to make you Is magically the thing like that it. makes life more fun. <laughs> that's that's well, yeah part of the diversity that makes us human and great as a species yeah. so and, and that's what we want to do that's what we do with this show you're absolutely right Corion. we spent one episode on uh, the the jimmy ring series and yeah we'll probably reference it when we uh compare various shits that we have after eating taco bell but the well, and there's, here's another thing is i i, I rewatched our discussion of the one episode and yeah we were brutal we came at them hard but we wrapped the episode with i love you and i hope you write something better next time we'll be yeah. there to watch it 
Oh, uh, like, and that's our feelings. Like, we're closer to your teacher than we are to your parent or to your friend or to anything else. Like, we actually care about good writing. So if the writing's bad, our judgment comes as grading writing, not as grading humanity and your personality and your feelings or even your interpretation of reality. Oh, yeah. Like, that's not what we're grading. We're grading the writing, the work itself, because we love the fact that you had the audacity to put something out there. And that, that we want more of that. We want more writing. We want more Halo. Just yeah. not that. We Halo. just want good Halo. Yeah. Look, I, I'm, I, I'll admit, there are some shows I'm not a super big fan of, of certain genres. I'm just not. Like, look, I can respect a decent Western, but overall, I if I got the option between watching a Western and watching, say, you know, a slasher flick, flick I'm probably going to pick the slasher flick. That being said... i try to interpret a telenovela before I try to... Right, you know, yeah. But I can 100% appreciate the good writing that goes into some of them. And, you know, and movies like Unforgiven, and, you know, and 310 to Yuma are Kevin. absolutely fantastic movies. Kevin Costner, Wyatt Earp also. Absolutely, right? These are, are works of genius, and they deserve to be lauded as such that transcend the genre. The genre becomes a vehicle for fantastic writing, and that is something that I can 100% celebrate. Even if I'm not 100% down in the genre and being like, no, I need to know everything about this. Right? So it, and that that to me I think is like the important part and like that's to show like who we are and why we're doing this like and 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 what we're actually doing like the reason we haven't done westerns isn't cuz we hate westerns because they're westerns it's just that that story doesn't entice us and we even tried like and and, and we're willing to try yeah. I I think that the thing is is that like the thing that really entices us is when people challenge creativity right when you try to write a story that brings in a lot of fake things like aliens spaceships like and fake as far as we know not fake based on my beliefs on the reality of the world but like when you when you take things that are just thought experiments just theories and then you make them real one of the biggest things it does is it inspires people to actually care about science again like the only reason I care about theoretical physics and time dilation and anything about gravitational theory is it's in the space movies and I want to write a space game so I should probably understand the science so that Neil deGrasse Tyson can't comment, doesn't follow physics, don't play. Like That's oh, something what? that matters to me. Well, As a writer, I want to be able to show that i actually did care about what we do know now and then made something that matched there are that's more... something that i love about firefly is like the comment about firefly in serenity is that the ship actually is theoretically realistic as a spacefaring vehicle it actually matters and every scientist that watches firefly now goes oh somebody cared I love science already, and they care about science, so maybe more science fiction authors care, because that's something that led me to Asimov and Foundation, is that Asimov also put in a lot of effort, but it was in the 60s, which means he was literally working right behind Einstein. So... He was his, limited by the technology of his time. 
Exactly. And that's what I love. And I love that because now we look at it and we can go, ha, look at how wrong he was, but not on purpose. Yeah. And that's beautiful. So that, that to me is why I love science fiction. That's why I love discussing science fiction. Yeah. And, and that's, that's one of the reasons why this show does a good job is because I mean, we even just saw Redshift in one of the more recent episodes. And so there's there's at least attempts here to try and keep it and that's what i don't like about new trek is we've kind of they've kind of just gone away from the the sciencey stuff and have embraced the star wars method which is to just have magical technology that does whatever you want when you, i mean that's the staple of crap writing uh, is when you don't understand that sci-fi requires limitations part of the reason i love sci-fi is because while it is cool to have super futuristic magical technology, don't get me wrong, it's also cool to see how they deal with problems that can only be overcome with, with certain limitations in that technology, and that creates stories that you would not get in sci-fi, or they wouldn't get in any other genre. And John, I'm sure you've experienced some of these watching The Next Generation, especially that episode where, uh, where Beverly Crusher gets pulled into a reality that's shrinking around her because she was thinking about people leaving her life and it's like what other genre can tell a story like that fantasy i guess what what other story can literally visualize anxiety separation anxiety right there's such a realistic and believable way yeah well in such a oh that's why people get scared when all their friends start leaving like if you've never felt separation anxiety because the adventure has always called you more than staying home then you're always looking at people with separation anxiety like get over it the adventure's calling like that's me it's all in your head i don't man. have separation anxiety i ditch people all the time just because the adventure calls and yeah i know like that and that's that's the struggle with life right some of us need adventure some of us need companionship but all of us need both. Yeah, P- right? PD, I-, I feel like you need to bring your shoulder a little closer so just so I can pat your shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, but, John's usually but, good about making his intentions known for the day. I'm just, just saying the brotherly thing of, oh yeah, I remember you ditched oh, us all the time. No, I was the one ditching him. So I was actually no. projecting. Yeah. No, but, that, that, but that's why I don't have separation anxiety. It's like there were times welcome, that man. you were called to go visit your dad. <laughs> And none of us could say anything about it. And so I just grew out of caring about it. But it's also gotten to the point that, like, to some extent, it's a little too far. But despite that, like, the other thing that I wanted to say about science fiction that no other show or anything ever does is, like, when's the last time you saw James Bond eat? Whereas, like, every Star Trek episode loves to glorify the replicator. A couple of my favorite scenes in Firefly are when they're sitting around the dinner table. Those are some of the best character development moments in anything. Yeah. For me, what draws me to sci-fi is it's asking the questions that we're going to wind up having to ask as a civilization in probably about 50 to 100 years. And that to me is interesting. Like what happens when you introduce a very disruptive piece of technology to the status quo. How does humanity change? How do we deal with it as a people? And that to me is fantastic. The questions we're asking ourselves right now about social media. Exactly. Sci-fi has been calling it for so long. And now all of a sudden we have instantaneous global communication 
and we're using it the exact opposite way of every sci-fi utopia ever. All right, any well, like any final? I, I was actually gonna say that I've got a really wild one I'm reading right now where because faster than light technology exists and everybody leaves, they forget where Earth is, <laughs> and it winds up almost being there the, winds up being a mission to rediscover Earth because <laughs> nobody stayed. And now we want to go back and get some of the natural fa- flora and fauna from our ancestry to understand questions that we have about our evolution. That's fantastic. Uh, any final That's thoughts so on the Orville? Great. Gonna watch it again as soon as it's over. Yeah. yeah give um, us more episodes, please. Yeah. Yeah. Hulu, we will gladly. Yeah. We don't even need a sponsorship to promote it. We'd like Actually, one, yeah, no, we, we don't real- need it. Real shout out to Hulu. Dude, you guys are dropping banger after banger. I've been, Hulu's been one of the few ones, like Hulu's my new Netflix. I actually go to Hulu first to see if anything new, new that I would never expect to watch. And it, it's just bangers, man. All right. Yeah. Well, I, I, for international people, we get it, uh, Hulu channels on Disney Plus through Star. And yeah. Keep this up. This is why I've maintained my Disney Plus subscription is purely for the Hulu content now. All right. Well, in that case, we're going to turn it back over to Brandon to introduce the next uh, segment. Oh, you Shadow Cravens. We come in on the house in Staten Island. Here we find Laszlo and the baby that crawled out of chest. The chest of Colin Robinson. Laszlo calls it Boa. It could very quickly be discovered that the house is in full disarray. When the doorbell rings and Laszlo thinks it's a gas company about his leak, but it turns out to be Nausea and her puppet. Though still mad at him for not coming to England with her, she quickly moves on, revealing she is not alone but has Nandor with her, who reveals he ended up with a blonde family from Wisconsin and traveled with them for a while meeting them in Fresno. Eventually getting homesick, he tried going to his homeland, chartering a ship, but accidentally draining everyone on board. He ends up getting the ship stuck in the Suez Canal, ending the story with admitting he missed Guillermo, who happens to be in a crate nearby. Hearing a banging noise, the group of dimwits finally realize that the sound is from the crate. Finally being released, after being trapped for two weeks, Guillermo is pissed, yelling at each of them how much he hates them. But on his way out, he falls to the floor. Nandor, with no delay, jumps in after him to save him. While Nandor helps towel down Guillermo, he reveals he wants to get married and wants Guillermo to be his best man. Also that Guillermo needs to help him find for someone for him to marry. Guillermo, though, surprised, accepts the role sincerely, though this is quickly cut off, as the boy comes running in wearing a hat with a candle on it. The group then explains the child to Guillermo, who is horrified in the process. He then takes a guardian role for the child, while also bringing up the money situation. It is at this point that Nadja reveals the real reason she came back, to open a vampire nightclub. All right. Now I know why Joe Rogan and other comedians hate when their comedy is read. 
in one line because uh that just sounds like the most like boring soap i've ever heard hey now well this is one of my favorite comedies ever since the office wrapped up like this is one of the funniest shows ever like i'm not shitting on brandon brandon did a wonderful job delivering it those are the things that happened in the episode but now i finally understand like how comedy can be stripped from a great comedy is if you just focus on the actual points of the episode well and that's that's what we're doing with our formula we want to recap everything that we can and and this is a great opportunity all around and and yeah brandon it was a great job and and obviously you know still got work to improve but as we saw with the start of this episode uh we still do too anyway on my side i gotta i gotta remember to rehearse the intro no, more often no brandon shouldn't brandon that was not a commentary on brandon i just i finally got it like i've never actually read an article about a comedian because I'm not dumb enough to actually believe that a writer can accurately tell a joke in writing without like, you know, like acting it out or in a book and a full story where characters have developed. But like the jokes land when comedians tell them because they set it up throughout the whole show. So if you cut one snippet out and tell me Dave Chappelle is a racist, transphobe, like I've never taken the time to read your article. So now Brandon did a version of one of those articles with this show. And I finally get that paradigm. Well, what we do in the shadows then, um, what did we not like? I'm just going to keep general discussion up this episode. Okay. Honestly, unless there's something that you didn't like, I can put the thing back up. Cause uh, um, I didn't have any real issues either, but go ahead. I mean, I don't know. For me, this is this is a cute little comedy, um, you know, and I've enjoyed its run so far. Uh, this season, it definitely feels like, at least I'm hoping based on the first episode here, we're going to get slightly more view into the what we do in the shadows world in terms of other supernatural strangeness in the world. Right. I, I hope they're kind of expanding things out, especially if they're going to be opening a vampire club. My thought is, you know, am amusing things are going to happen in the club. If anything, from like, I don't know, some sort of supernatural health inspector to, um, you know, which would be great, um, you know, to, hey, we're, you know, trying to gather a whole bunch of vampires in one space maybe some sort of vampire hunter will show up, right? Um, there could be a lot of interesting, bizarre things that happen from this general direction of plot. We'll have to see where it goes. Wait, have, have you seen all the seasons so far? I have. Are you caught up on the... So, you, do you remember Nick Kroll's Vampire Nightclub? Yep. <laughs> yep. I also remembered or not, I didn't remember, but Graham pointed out to me because I was showing him this show. Um, he pointed out that the Vampiric Council, the High Council, is made up of all of the famous vampires from, like, any movie. Yeah. So, like, to me, I think I think really where this episode and this, this season can go, based especially off the first episode, is, like, A, Colin Robinson. 
I love Colin Robinson. I still think he is my favorite because, like, we've all met Colin Robinson. <laughs> How was your weekend? Mine was great. I did a lot of this new thing called beekeeping and studying up on it and the research and just eating into your soul. And you can't be mad at them because they're actually having a good thoughtful conversation. And then you realize, nope, he's actually draining their energy, so you could have been mad at him. Oh man, Colin Robinson is my favorite. But like, I think the way this whole season opened is like, I think we killed the PD. Yeah, yeah. I, I was talking about beekeeping, and uh, he's not keeping. Okay, and that's what it's gonna look well, like when uh, I we'll die just... on the show. <laughs> <laughs> We're just gonna keep the live stream We're up if that ever happens. Yeah. When... The Ryder Brothers presents. Weekend at Bernie's. Um, I'll just mute my mic and I'll actually be calling EMTs over to his house. <laughs> no, show still... up and he... Are you guys still streaming? Yes, obviously. Yeah, the 24-7 <laughs> live how he's dead doing. cam. He's been dead this whole time. Yeah, we figured. We saw him grab his chest. We called yeah. after he stopped talking. It's pretty conclusive. Well, there was no coming back from whatever he died from. Well, I mean, I guess... I guess then it's my job to bring you back, right? I mean, that's what you guys keep me around here as is like the really long-term life insurance policy, right? Dude, that is the ultimate April Fool's episode with like the most effort. Like we start with you doing your opening cutout during the intro and then you're just laying there the whole episode. And then the next episode, we have Corion bringing you back while the EMTs are trying to save you. I got all these candles out and everything. Yeah, I bring out the really you know, big. Just, your whole bookcase is completely on fire. Actually, my, my yeah, favorite, like not enough candles. I'm lighting this thing on fire just to get the power. I think my favorite necromancy joke is, without a doubt, the uh, the episode, the Futurama, where they bring back Calculon. And they yes. They say here, play this disc backwards. It's all scientific. Rise to life in the name of Satan. <laughs> yeah, and it's a data, and it's an operating system disc. So of course that's what Windows is going to say if you play it backwards. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I thought everyone knew that one, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So that's what I, and that's the thing I've always loved about the show too. Is it's not. What I really love about what we do in the shadows is, first of all, I don't give I, I don't give two shits for vampires, any Twilight, uh, anything other than like Twilight. It's just when the vampire crazes or were, were going, I was just like, I don't care. I don't care about the lore. I don't care about any of this. And when I first saw this show or movie, when I first saw the movie, I was like, okay, this has my attention and watching the show. It's just, it's hilarious. And they, they draw from all different mythologies and they have respect for you. Like, yeah, they make jokes yeah, and they, they make it funny, but they also still have some amount of, it's not, it's not like the Reddit brand of atheism with the show. They actually, no. first of all, they no. caught fire in the church, which I thought was hilarious. And then one of my favorite lines is when Guillermo goes, Oh, thank God. And Nadia goes, Shh. and I'm like, this is pretty funny. That's good. That's a good one. Oh yeah. So and, I mean you 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 take a look, right? I mean even the main characters are like rip-offs of like classic vampire examples. Yeah. Right? Like it, it's just They're it's all done variations perfectly. of Dracula. Yeah. 
I love it. I love it so much because I, I, I find it sad that you never got into the craze because to me, vampires has always been the bridge between fantasy and science fiction. There is because no way I'm getting vampires. Twilight. Is, no, Twilight, Twilight, it was poorly written, poorly like filmed and everything. And, it, and it was, it had a target audience that it nailed it. Yeah, sold no, objectively speaking, so, objectively speaking, it's good for what it did. Like it's the same reason I say it, that Fast and the Furious. It's a solid product. Yeah, the, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna trash it as a product. It's not my from, favorite it's personal. series. Yeah, of all full, time. full disclosure: Twilight. The me only hating, consistent. Me hating Twilight is a personal opinion. Objectively speaking, yeah, I can say give it the but, same praise no, it, that I give Star Trek: The Motion Picture and Fast and the Furious. They're both objectively good movies, right? For what they're written for. Well, and here's what I'm going right, to and, actually and so, say. If you want a really good, like, YA vampire story, check out Vampire Academy. There's like five books in the series, and they're actually really solid. And they pose some interesting, decent questions along the way. So there are good examples of that YA vampire genre out there. I think there's great, even, like, TV shows like I love Vampire Diaries. I watched every single episode, and I loved the originals. I watched every single episode. So it wasn't until Legacies that I finally was like, "All right, you guys are going over the same stuff, just different ways," and I'm over it because like I'm already caught up on all of the lore, and I'm like, the reason you're bad bounty hunters because you don't know what I know. I know how to take care of that demon. You've just never seen it before, but I saw it in season two of episode sixteen. So that's why I dropped out of the, the spin-offs of Vampire Diaries. But like, I love Vampire Diaries and, and I love the originals more because like the originals is similar to this is they explore the history of vampires. Like they decided there was a definitive in it, like creation of the vampires by a witch according to the lore. Like it's one of the few lore consistent vampire shows I've ever seen over like 14 seasons and three spin-offs which is nuts right so as far as like the vampire story goes like this is, that's definitely one that like that reps and, and and builds legitimacy to the vampire uh legacy not to mention the other one in uh netflix's slash bbc's I, oh, I saw it on netflix but it was bbc's uh dracula that yes. was the most mystifying conundrum of vampirism that I've ever seen in the most like combination of vampire human story and it still messes with me as to how it ended because it didn't make sense like were his emotional and mental deficiencies so great that they actually made him burn when she opened the blinds or did he resolve the problem in the very end when he stepped into the light because you don't see it just ends like that and that's that's why i say I, i'm sad parker that you never got into vampires because there are some great films and yeah. shows that actually explore it in a mature and we're not i don't want to say realistic i hate the term realistic and like obviously we know vampires don't exist as far as we can tell but at the same time like well, if when you, they when you did say exist. realistic, you say realistic, you're touching on what's known as the suspension of. That's what you know. That that's what we mean. Say realism. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Something feels more. 
feel like the expanse is probably the most realistic sci-fi available so is uh interstellar because they focus the on actual physics to write their base them around actual okay that's current day physics because in 100 years i have a feeling physics might probably gonna be a little um at least our understanding of it as it always does um, right but in the case of like so, no, and stuff so like i'm just that, saying like, i'm just saying realism this is, is one not, of the shows that realism is a good term to you okay so in terms of realism this or is one of the few shows like there there definitely shows out there that take the time to a explain why nobody knows about them like there's intentional wiping of the record by secret societies um supernatural also did a lot of that in explaining like how like there could be loved supernatural that's a great one too cw puts out some bangers and then some just not for me like and everybody else that they are for is like this is a banger like they only draw bangers but only some of them are bangers to me and no so, so there are some vampire shows that really take the time to explain why you've never heard about them why they got away with being invisible up until now and also how their story can progress now while also going back and touching those I, times I've, and vampire Diaries in the yeah. originals is one of them. and that dracula one from the bbc that was the dracula one from the bbc is probably the best um as far as like how he skipped 300 years with just complete no notice well, that's because he was buried in the middle of the ocean yeah. and the wood oh, finally the rotted one, for the, him other, the other out. one so so I'll just explain myself so you better understand me is that I like what we do in the shadows because of its format delivery. There is actually another vampire mm. theme that I do like a lot. And, uh, it's the, uh, of course I can never, uh, with Johnny Depp and dark mm. shadows. Yes. Dark. I think, is that, what? yeah. Yeah. Yes. No, dark, dark shadows. shadows. Is he a vampire? Yes, he is that a vampire. Oh, yeah. He's uh, Colin something or other. His last name is and Collins, yeah. That's that's Eric Collins. That's, yeah. That's and it's based yeah. on a it was based on a soap opera um that had an interesting following. Uh and then they decided to do the the movie as kind of like a a humor homage to that series. So, actually, kind of a cool idea. Oh, I I liked that movie a and, lot. I thought Johnny De Johnny Depp was and, fantastic. It so was everybody else in the movie. That, no, that that's one of my favorites. And I I bring up all these other shows because that's to me what makes what we do in the shadows so funny. It's like I've seen a lot of really good gritty vampires, and now I'm watching these three, and I'm like oh this is hilarious and to me like it, it's just a more general explanation of why the orville works is i've watched a ton of great gritty sci-fi oh this is hilarious like that to me is how you know you're doing it right is when you can write a comedy within it and it still stacks up against everything else like these yeah. are vampires like they're very early on displaying their like power but they're also super neurotic children that grew up for the last thousand years without any supervision 
and now we get to see really. the deal with no yeah consequences supervision just any kind of guidance because like nobody's ever told them they're doing anything wrong and as we get to watch through the documentary's eyes which graham actually pointed out was really funny in the um season one when they bring back nosferatu and he's like he eats the uh the fam nadia's familiar <laughs> and they he actually looks at the film crew about to eat them and he's like who are they and they're like oh they're this documentary crew and he goes and then just stops like caring about them you're like oh man that's a nod to the office like you can acknowledge that there's a documentary but they actually have a purpose to it <laughs> and that's why they didn't kill anybody oh i'm not supposed to acknowledge that yeah, well, and what I like about this show too is is the universe that it's set. It is is it's pretty funny uh, because yeah. they did the movie and then they decided to do they decided to set this in the same universe as the movie but with a different set of vampires. Um, and I yeah, all the all the tropes that they make fun of are really what sell me on it. And then Colin Robertson, Robin Robinson, yeah, Colin Robin, Robertson, Robinson. Uh, 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 him ascending the corporate ladder, that whole seek that whole episode where he grows hair back and everything just by turning the wheels of, of bureaucracy was just perfect. Him There's just no better it. way to just him being so mad about it. And he got so powerful because he was just he was he was ascending the corporate ladder and I was like, that's that must be why they do it. And just, just so, so hold on, PD York confirming CEOs of companies vampires. <laughs> well, there we go. There, there, there's one of those. It like, finally, makes sense. Not I mean, only vampires, didn't mince but words with that commentary vampires. Yeah, no. Severance didn't mince words with its anti-corporate commentary. So, yeah. No, I see. I don't know. I, I love it when when a genre gets this venerable that we can have this level of humor attached to it um where there is enough deep lore to be able to mo to have some humor with it as opposed to at its expense because there is right. a difference right the, this is something that you could totally see like were vampires real you could totally see a group of them sitting down on a couch and laughing at this series because it's so ridiculous and they'd be like, oh my god, that's Ralph. I remember him from the 1600s. He was totally like this. Right? Like, that's, you know, you could see something in that kind of a scenario happening with a show like this. And that's what makes it good. Like, if the same goes with the Orville. If, you know, we were sitting there with a guy from, like, the 24th century, he would sit there watching this and being like, yeah, yeah, that happened on my ship too, kind of thing. Like, that's good comedy. Yeah, just when watch we can it laugh with, a, with watch us watch Star Trek with a sailor. Right. I mean, that's the one downside to watching military movies with military people is is we're such buzzkills when it comes to certain like like I remember watching Battleship. I I know. I remember watching Battleship while on watch with that with someone it. one night, and the scene where where they take the boat and they they board the the, the alien vessel, it's like. You know, the person I'm watching that with, she was like, yeah, so that's an act of war. And I'm like, yeah, I, I know, because the Navy's not allowed to put discriminantly on. So, 
<laughs> but it was just it's stuff like that, you know. Watching war movies with actual vets can either go one of two ways. That's why the comedies tend to stick better because it's like, oh yeah, we're making fun of it. Whereas the real stuff is like, if you get one thing misaligned, depending on who you're watching it with, it's 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 the experience is gonna be ruined. That's why Battleship sucks is because they do everything wrong. <laughs> like, oh, dude! I'm sorry. As cool as that scene is with the Navy vets powering up the USS Missouri as badass as that would be it's not gonna happen those engines are seized i've looked at them i've i've been on the missouri and it's just it's not aren't half the cannons demilled too like yeah yeah that's the other thing this was like michael bay should have just stuck with transform and that's what it should have been no just been a transformers you should no, no, no. He should stay. No, Michael Look, Bay should keep taking these challenges. Michael Bay needs to stay at least 100 yards away from the Transformers. Okay. 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 How that, about that, this, that one's mine. We need a restraining order here. Uh, let's see if I can do this right. Uh, Just watch. Here we go. 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 There we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, guns yeah. to your head, right? Finger gun, because I'm not that okay. cool. All right. Yeah. All right. Here we go. It's to your head. And I'm going to yep. keep trying to be creative with it. It's a little harder maneuver than you realize. Um, gun to your head. Okay. Yep. Michael Bay keeps doing Transformers or Kurtzman keeps JJ Star Abrams. Trek. Oh, God. All right. You have that, time. You that, can get back to me on that later. That, that's brutal. <laughs> no, no, no. No. You know what? I, I, I'm going to say this. Um, give Kurtz, let Kurtzman still stay with Star Trek. Um, Dude, if you guys could see, no, no, if you guys could no, see, no, no, we hate Michael, they, Michael Bay doing right. Transformers. No, and I'll tell you exactly why, John. It's real simple. It's not even hard to understand. Literally, the movies, every one of the Transformers movies has the exact same problem. They're not about the Transformers. They're about the humans. No. That's the problem. The I thought the first one was about. They're both, the greatest car commercials that. I've ever seen. Yeah. Okay. I so love them. Okay. So why not watch Gone in sixty seconds then instead? Oh, because right? there's too like, much Nicholas Cage. It games. does not have as many explosions with great sexy also, cars. Also, 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 the Mustang doesn't transform. again, last night, and I was like, no, I love that. Like. I do get it as far as a like, good story goes. There, There is none. There's no through line. There's no central plot line. Every single time they're like, all right, you finally confessed all the information about the Autobots. And then they're like, in the next episode, guess what? 200 more years of history. In the next, oh, well, <laughs> you know? No, no. But the, at the, the same time, like... Is, they're always about the humans that me, are following around the bots instead of the bots. Right, because Transformers, Transformers has always been a TV show. It's always been an episodic adventure and we got what six episodes in movies when what we really should have got is like 10 episodes about the bots showing up meeting sam wiki sam wiki graduating high school summer year movie one and that's where it, like these movies actually work is because it's like let's make this cool as shit but for the majority of it it's going to be sam talking to a camaro for 10 no, episodes listen, before if, we get a movie if they were going to do a movie what they should have done was they should have taken the plot to um war for cybertron and fall of cybertron and adapted that into a movie 
That would have been a fantastic movie. It would have been set all mm-hmm. not on Earth. Do that first. The second movie in the genre, in the series, because it would get a second. You set it on Earth in 85. Have it all be the classic cars. Okay? <laughs> have it make a lot of sense because you've got just the, you know, like, we're, we get better references in there. We could have a lot of fun with it. Okay? And then you set the third movie in 2001 and you do a remake, basically live action of the 86 movie. Done. I got not a better idea, but an idea that goes along with what we've been talking about. And that is do a Transformers movie or or series in the style of a documentary. But the first episode is about why it took so long to get a documentary. Basically show clips of them accidentally squishing the camera crews to the point where they realize, oh, we're going to have to finish this. Or we're just going to have to film this ourselves. But you have that whole that. montage of them accidentally stepping on because they forget that there's humans on Cybertron or like, now. Or like a missile Bro. going off or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm down. Better better yet to Wait, what happens one. if we're riding in this thing and it's... you transform and everyone just ejects and splatters on the ground <laughs> like 100 miles away? They're like, they go to catch them and they miss like two of them. Whoops! That's alright, we didn't like, like that guy anyway. Or, or even better, like one of them the, is filming the and then the, 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 they're like, we get that on tape, we got that on tape, and then the tape transforms into a robot and it's like, nah, sorry boss, and walks <laughs> off. <laughs> the camera's a mini con. <laughs> Better yet, better yet. The, no, no, the camera's in many kind. He's in the mirror. He's like, did we get that? Did we get that? And then it just transforms and we get a HUD view. And yeah. we're still getting the camera. He's like, nah, boss. Like, we we obviously got it, but it's still the camera. And yeah, then it just, like, like, for the rest of the show, the camera never transforms again. But we always know that's why the camera's the transformer. Yeah. Well, protect that, the see, camera. See, that's kind of genius stuff but, that... that- Possibly even make a lot of even money. better, the only people in the documentary are the humans, and the Autobots commissioned it as a like like a PR thing, um, a recruiting device to the uh, the neutral and the, um, uh, the not the Autobots, the other one, Decepticons. Decepticons. Like they're trying to prove to the Decepticons that the humans are cool. And so, like, the whole first episode is how many crews it got, and then the next episodes are just the crew talking about all of their adventures with. And it's, like, the full, like, that, like, Navy SEAL Team 6 that was with them throughout the movies, the Michael Bay movies. But they're the ones doing the documentary, and they're like, look, man, like, I've seen some crazy stuff. Like, I was doing C4 in the middle of a city. I've seen people do this right, but this Transformers straight up stepped on a house. What? All right. Like, that was a good, that was a good, uh, good impromptu Transformers discussion, guys. That's what I love about All this right. show is that canvas that on and well, well, this just shows like because well, the that, fact that we don't have a lot to complain about, but like the Orville we tangented it. Well. And this is this is the mark of good writing is when we don't have a lot to discuss, well, but we're inspired to discuss of other things. We well, no, I think we're, we're inspired by the formula that these people proved is correct. Is like you took a fantasy genre that is mostly meant to be either romance or murder or thriller, and you made it one of the greatest office comedies. Like, 
Yeah. And, and I say office, not just the office, but in, like, yeah, obviously it tracks with that same like Parks and Rec style, like those three as a whole. But at the same time, it's also like office comedy. Like these are three people that live and work together and they have agreed to be there. But at the same time, like I would never trust Jim with my stapler. Oh, how great would that crossover be with all three of them? It would be, dude, the bat episode would just be completely reimagined. Just whack, whack, ah! and Nadia pops out of the bag, and Meredith is like, And I didn't get la- my favorite last little catchphrase. Oh, I- no. I love how he has to say bat transform. It's such oh. a stupid little joke that I that gets me every time. It's like, bat! <laughs> it's, just, it's so dumb, but I love it. But it, it makes so much sense for Laszlo because and his mind is one. in like a thousand places at once. So he yeah. has to say bat so he can think about a bat. <laughs> he's the only one that does it. And then, yeah. And then he said human form one time, which I was like, okay, that's weird. But, but yeah, every every time he tries to fly bat, just funny. I find it funny. Um, oh, yeah. All right. So mm. with that, I think we've concluded what we do in the shadows. I'm really enjoying this season again yeah. and forward to the discussion. question for the next episodes and in the future episodes including tonight's episode is it baby colin or is it somebody else i think baby it's colin gonna be i think it's gonna be a little bit of both i think it's it's he's gonna start growing into his old self but it's also it might be kind of like how they do the doctor regeneration doctors in person now but they still have the memories of the last iteration but we'll see no it's colin's face it is I know. Colin's face. I know it's colin's face no, I'm just saying but, his no, character he's a, might be He's different. a specific vampire type. Do you think he's going to be a new vampire type? Like, they say there's the three or four. There's, like, I could... Nadia's, um... I can't remember. She's not the sexual vampire. She's a different kind of vampire. I could Whereas, see him uh, having to be a different energy vampire in that he can't drain off of being upset he has to make them like Bro. laugh or something or, or i don't or be aroused I, what yeah what if, what if he's in really. evolution what if he's a millennial vampire type like he gets off on pissing people off with tiktok like that's the thing that gets his energy drain is pissing off boomers and stuff like that because <laughs> okay Somebody needs to Can you imagine him still being bald and still doing that stuff? That would be so fantastic. Like not change he doesn't change his outfits. (laughs) He doesn't change his like his commentary, but he only talks about millennial hype stuff. He's like, Man, I don't know if you guys have been paying attention to modern politics, but like Senator such and such has just been and just you just see these boomers just draining and you just keep seeing him going to different like rallies for each political party and he actually like talks about their hatreds but he talks about it in such a way that like only a millennial could piss off or, a boomer or when he goes back to work it's like yeah i'm gonna need about six months of mental health days twice a year uh yeah I, I, you want me to work how many hours a week Sorry, I can only do like twelve. No, 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 no. When he goes even back, even better. He goes back to work. He's <laughs> just dancing his way into the office, and everybody's like, 
them. You need to cut it out. Could they cut it out, please? And oh, no, he's no, no. just like, I chose. And he just goes off on the whole pronoun thing. And But he's like intention about like he's intentional about each one and he actually acts different with each one so it pisses everybody off actually what <laughs> I, you know and they discover this by like you know the local council woman uh the the fourth vampire kind of of the group like he, yes he just like oh, okay like boomers yeah he, he just like okay boomers her and that's when they realize that he's got a, like that's the energy drain yeah, it's like I feel like it's very much that like because like the last one was office space, like he was the guy that just drained everybody every time they talked to him, even the point where he gets fired, and he still keeps his job because nobody actually wants to tell him he's fired. And now he's like a di- like he has to evolve. So he's like Gen Y, and so like he's doing all these TikTok videos. But in that same, like, I want him to still be the same actor because I think it would oh, be absolutely. so funny. Oh, he's got. If he like, he could pull it. He could totally like. I could see him going through oh, like he, an emo phase. Yeah, the actor could do it, but and... I just think it would be so much funnier if he didn't like fake it. Oh no! Like he no, still no. maintained that persona and said all the words, but still was like. And that's why after I like after to seeing his TikTok videos. Well, his like range his rage really came out in the episode that I referenced gaining all that power by ascending the corporate ladder. That's what he, cause you notice he changed his attitude. So I think he could definitely, if that's the direction they go, I hope you're right. Cause that's my, my all time favorite Colin Robinson scene is still when the council decides to like burn the other three for, uh, killing Nosferatu. And they're like, Colin, help us out. And he's like, what the fuck can I do? And that's, that's just right. all it's he so says. so out of nowhere. <laughs> that, was, that was such a great line and time to use that. All right. Well, if there's nothing further, we're going to go ahead and turn things back to Brandon to uh, recap the old. Update on the old man foreshadowing is abundant through flashbacks, nightmares, and hallucinations. Another episode where traveling is in the forefront. This time, we do get some boat action, though. Dan tries giving Zoe some tips and advice to help get in the headspace for a role. And, as usual, she is able to pinpoint out the flaws in that thinking, only to realize Dan is aware. Harold finds out that the rumors and news that he was aiding and abetting a criminal is out, and that Morgan Boat was at his house. While on... The phone boat offers a plan to get Henry out, but at the expense of Abigail. He refuses as he has fatherly feelings towards Abigail, even though he know, now knows she is Emily, Dan's daughter. Boat also reveals that he put Emily in Henry's ranks and why he did it. And even though Henry did not want to pursue Boat's plan, he gets his people together to execute the plan anyways, stating, I need to hurt both my boys referring to Henry and Dan. Dad reveal number two. Too bad he's nuts and has power. In Morocco, Dan begins teaching Zoe about his craft and the two sides of its coin, empathy and ruthlessness, and how they are used by people like him to manipulate information. He also tells her about his and Emily's method of communication using bank accounts, concocting a plan to enter Pavlovich party the man 
he got in Hamsam's camp out. Though initially well received by Pavelich, everything turns sour when Pavelich reveals Hansom already made a deal with him. Dan with easily dispatches the goons letting Pavelich live again, even making a remark towards the fact. Meanwhile, it's revealed that Abigail called people she trusted from the agency to come take Henry, making even Henry home even choosing to take the fall. Henry begrudgingly goes along with the plan, but as he's walking down the stairs, he notices Waters realizing something is up. Running back to where Abigail was, she is nowhere to be found. After shooting his way, moving back over to Dan, he shoots his way out of Pavlovich's building, grabs Zoe, taking a boat and racing back to land. But as they pull into the dock, boats cars and even helicopters show up walking down the dock dan and henry finally confront each other it is at this point that henry tells dan he's taken her and we gotta get her back that was pretty um how many times did he have to mess up pavlich i was having Dude, such that's not an easy one to say. Laugh at that. No, it's it's no, not. But he and... got it right, and the one time he got it perfect, he was like Pavlich. And then continued yeah, on, of, and then the very next one, he goes Pavlich. Yeah, and I'm sorry, Brandon. I totally forgot to read I your comments for so for what we do in the shadows. Here, I'll read them out real quick, real fast, fast as I can. Uh, what we do? Wait, he went T O N. And what we do in the shadows? I watched all three seasons to get caught up. I enjoyed the show and episodes quite a lot. They did a good job touching on old threats and giving new. Okay, so great forward. But uh, yeah, no, and thanks for taking the time to watch the show again. That's awesome. Thankfully, what we do in the shadows is one of those shows that if you do watch it starting in the middle of a season, thankfully with it being a comedy. You're not going to be super lost, but then I envy you because you get to catch up on all of parody up until. So, thank you, Brandon, once again for, for recapping. Yes, Jeff Bridges actually doesn't play the old. Oh, as we learned in this episode, he actually plays the red herring. Um, guys, I gotta say this. This I'm. I'm impressed. Um. It, it's such a well-paced show and that it does feel like it can drag at times, but you know, it's, it's kind of, it's refreshing to not have battle, 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 plot, plot, battle, battle, uh, and then, or, or you could do the, the Trek style of writing, which is kind of throw some cool visuals of the plot shows. No, uh, what if he's not a red herring? No, I mean he's the red what herring if he for the is, old man. No, what if he's, he's the, the replacement? Well, okay, he might. No, what if he's the replacement? Like it's a giver situation because the two uh, black gentlemen that are working with the current old man are obviously a representation of him and Henry when they were that young. So the old man obviously he's an old man he's gonna need a replacement so what if this is a story about unlike the giver where one person is chosen via birthmark instead two greats are pitted against each other 
slash teamed up together to make one old man right like you, you know having a didact doesn't necessarily mean that the system's going to be broken if anything the world's gotten bigger there's obviously equal distribution of responsibility for the total world but also why not you know put these guys together to work together but one of them is going to come out to replace the old man so what if it's not only a red herring but also the hero's journey if we will the old man's transition because i'm really getting vibes that this old man knew a lot of this was about to happen he was more prepared than he's letting on yeah absolutely well, i i get it i get the impression that uh you know the dude and john lithgow's character there are uh, now currently after the latest development of of the the, the girl going uh girl being taken it, they are now the grumpy old men um you know and, and i'm hoping that their relationship when they're working together is very similar to that i i, I do not doubt that john lithgow is going to maintain his superiority and i love bringing up third rock from the sun because it's still one of my favorite comedies and it's a sci-fi comedy and that's just why it's just so great to me. But I really feel like he's going to have a lot of problems with Jeff Bridges similar to that. He's going to complain a lot about different things, but it's going to be very much along the lines of like, I know you're a great player. So like, I'm not doubting. Oh, but out there, I think we're losing. Yeah. Oh, well, uh, until John comes back, um, or at least, oh no. Oh, I think he's back. No. John, say something preview. Uh, there you go. I think I'm here. Now you Pretty are. sure I'm real. Yeah, I just got out on the left. I already forgot it too. Um, it's okay. Uh, he, he, uh, the entire uh i'm looking forward to to the next next week's episode i'm also looking forward to our episode after that air the book and the show and uh yeah i'm really interested to see what the i'm really interested to see if the story is still the same or if it's if i'm just i'm interested to see what how the two stories because the tv show has done a very good job of pacing and it's done a very good job of keeping me interested and all the way up until this point now where it's like okay the stakes are on and now two people that were kind of acting as adversaries have to come back and work together but we still don't have clarification still don't have motivation as to why any of this is even happening and it's like i that's what's awesome is i can't wait till we get to the last episode to see okay is this a one books thing or are we gonna get seasons out of this but yeah we'll see honestly honestly i hope it is a one book thing i i feel like there's so much more that this just opens up like the reason why i bring up that whole idea of them being potentially replacing the old man is because like those two black dudes that were working for the old man look like two guys i actually want to see a new journey with like i one of my biggest hang-ups with this whole show has just been that like it's about afghanistan again 
and like as america wrapped up as america got done with it and as i learned about it from actually dealing with people that were there and stuff like that i kind of like i've lost any sense of like none of these stories surprise me and that's disappointing so these two gentlemen now who are set in what appears to be a 22 america and go i really want to see where they can go and that's why i want it to be a one book story is that we just opened up two new henry and bridges by using henry and bridges to prove that these men do become men like worthy honorable people of listening to and following their story so now let's see how they get there and i feel like these two guys really are open for it you know yeah and and i think uh i think the last episode is probably gonna have a bit more of we're gonna see if they do this right what we're gonna probably gonna see is him escaping with with his life at the same time that the hunting the issue and i think that's probably how it's gonna play out is it's gonna it's gonna show the actual event of them leaving and then it's going to bring that back full circle with them now having i i don't know i don't know and uh that's what i like just everything about this show has has been there's been a lot of different surprises and twists that oh it's been a great great ride i would recommend this hands down seven out of seven well, I'd give it a yeah. six out of overall, but it's. I give it a seven out of seven overall right now because we're not only still enjoying it, although we haven't said anything bad about it. Of, exactly, like we can't actually complain, even when it got slow, even when Brandon came back at us, like, no, this is nothing like John Wick, and, and you and I were like, no, this is John Wick but slower, and it is, it still is except it really slowed down like it was john wick in the first like half hour and then the brakes got hit hard and we're okay with that well yeah because as so, corian said and, last week it's but, it's more of a mental chess game but, but then more entertaining got executed. what did you guys get the taste there was the lick it was it was like we're right back to it we're right back to the violence when jeff bridges yanks the dude's tie down breaks his face grabs his gun bang bang we know for sure jeff is back and we only got two seconds of that leg right oh. and then we hear we kind of have to hear the rest of it as it goes <laughs> that was funny when well, he said uh, you know when something weird's happening you're ready to leave well, how will I know? Uh, you'll know. And there it was. It was, and, uh, we got to move over here, everybody. It's just a situation. No big deal. And, dude, not to mention, he goes, two. Yeah. That's, That's twice I saved you, <laughs> and you tried to sell me out, you little punk. Like, I want to get more vulgar, because it was the, the tone in that this was two. He's like, my honor is the only reason you're alive. And it's because I don't know if I have any, so I'm going to save whatever's left for the next guy. But that's twice I've saved your life when you don't deserve it. Well, and he's also... And this guy's like... He's also realizing that he can also potentially flip his favor back into... If he kills him, that's a that's a bridge... 
what he did is got guaranteed next time he calls him this guy knows a he's still got it and b he absolutely owes him like one life save is like you saved me from a burning building twice and the second time being your own conviction not to kill me okay yeah i'm not gonna i'm not gonna risk it because i just watched you murk my two best in a row right in front As of if me it like was i thought nothing. i had literally yeah yeah literally like i thought you were this old man i thought you were the old man nope no you're just a, a guy with a gray beard I yeah. don't know how old probably you had a plan don't to take out probably had a plan to take out his goons the second he walked in the room. He's like, hi, and then oh guy up there. Okay. And then they sat down, had their chat. No. And then things went sour and he's like, That's Well, guess you got me. Just kidding. No, he explained it. That's that that's my favorite part about this show, is it explains true spycraft in its most physical sense because he didn't have a plan when he walked in. He knew that he needed one and he was going to formulate it until the right things happened in his favor. And one of them was an idiot walking over with a dangly tie. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. He didn't, he he didn't know the, the tie. But, but, no, but he didn't read the room at the beginning. He was reading the room the uh, whole time he was talking. At some point, yeah, but the whole time. Until. No, what I mean is he never stopped reading. The room was talking throughout the whole conversation and he knew that that man was coming over to him and that was the time to look for an opening. Not find your opening at the beginning. No, know that there are times to literally find your opening. I would argue that he he knew it. Reach, grab, snap, boom, boom. Well, he's having that conversation with Zoe. He specifically talks about, once once I teach you these techniques, I'm not going to look at the and i think that extends to his combat that that he goes into a situation got like five escapes already that doesn't say anything and that's you're right, right. he probably but was I, reading the room in the process getting, and, and changing situation you're probably right it does change the no i'm i'm saying there's there's more to it so like of all of those things are exact but he was listening to the smell to the fluidity yeah. to the to the guy approaching him. He counted the steps that it took him. He saw the tie before he saw the hand. And that's I what the show argue. is really showing us. Guys, I would even argue that um, like any good grift, it's all about the setup. They He walks in. If you'll notice, he's walking a little slow. He's giving them the perception that he's this older, fuddy-duddy, not still in shape, not capable of playing the game anymore. Exactly. And his, his whole, the way he's talking, his demeanor, you know, if if he had come in with the prop of one of those walker canes, he couldn't have done a better job of making them perceive him as not possibly a threat exactly that's the idea he's not just reading the room he's writing the story for them to pick up when oh. they read the room you wouldn't deprive Dude, old man of his that is why i love you that's so it so much corian you make the best sayings better <laughs> don't read the room 
right in. Yeah, speaking of which, I'll give you guys the room a second. That, that, that was, that was a phenomenal descriptor. Like that is a true operator. One well, who can walk right in and they know the script that everybody else is supposed to follow. Sorry, I thought you were going to continue. Well, I, I was going to for a second. I, I didn't want to. Well, uh, you know, I don't mind at all, but um, no, but I mean, like the truth of the matter <laughs> is, look, mallet is all you know the the truth of the matter is good good craft of any kind takes knowing your audience and having a and preparing your audience for what you want them to see right you give them the perception mm. to set their reality now it may not be the correct reality but you give them that perception right you plan it out that way they don't think he's a threat so they don't you know these the guys who are the best don't take him seriously we see that that happened earlier too with the first two guys that were sent after the first assassin failed did not take an old dude who has a pair of dogs driving a beat up suv seriously until it was way too late for them to realize how screwed they truly were it's the I actually same trick over with, again. I would disagree with that assessment of those two guys only because they didn't really understand. Like, an old man, it's like, I, I'm pretty sure you guys know exactly what I'm about to say in terms of like the military. Like, I met guys that were very much the same age as my dad, but also only 38, where my dad is almost 56 like there are so many stressors in the military that can give white people gray hair at the age of 30. so like the dudes in the first episode they knew they were going after a gray-haired dude and obviously like he was moving slower but like they weren't really sure that like what that slowness meant whereas like this character that we saw in this episode and his bodyguards, they were much more like, no, he's an old white dude. We can beat him up. But those first two guys really did feel like good operators. They just did not know that they needed five, not two. Like, Frankly, they, five, that's what I, I think mean. It's an underestimation, but um... five mostly because the fifth one's Overwatch. And he's the one with the sniper, and he's going to shoot him from the hill. Yeah. So, looking forward to next week's episode, but uh, uh, since we are learning, uh, applying new formulas, I did skip a step before onto our next uh, segment, and that is, of course, a quick word from our sponsor, CNC Sutlery. CNC Sutlery provides Civil War reenactment supplies and everything that you could possibly need, ranging from Confederate uniforms to Union uniforms. However, don't sell flags because back in the day for proper reenactment you would want to do a hand stick flag so flags we did have someone come in and ask that's why i'm throwing it up um, now you might be wondering why would such a place sponsor a show like this well the we're also the primary provider for a lot of movie videos that do civil war theme civil war era shows and movies some of which we will discuss on this show when they come out some stuff you've already seen that's out there. Um, 
So yes, please check them out, ccsutlery.com. With that, uh, we are actually going to end on a surprise note as some news has just come in. Orion, why don't you go ahead and uh, and what it is? Yeah. So I have a contact inside uh, the production for Dune 2. Um, What I'm going to say is the information that I am providing, of course, is purely rumor that I have gotten from a friend. Uh, It must be taken with a grain of salt. So salt shakers. That's it. So with that obligatory, uh, you know, warning out of the way, uh, filming has begun on Dune Part 2. They are current. They were currently filming. However, due to the heat wave in Europe, it's gotten so bad that they actually had to stop filming because some of the props actually started to melt in the heat. That's right. Some of the Dune props could not take the desert heat that is Dune. So particularly because they do have some uh, different actors who are coming. More bad writing. (laughs) <laughs> not paying attention to desert temperature. <laughs> you can't even get your props right, dumbass. Hey, now be nice. This isn't a human desert. Yeah, not this is even just Earth. This isn't desert. even. This isn't it's even close freaking. To Mars. Uh, uh, great, I can't remember the name of the planet now. I'm having trouble yeah. with remembering my trivia. Arrakis. Arrakis. That's, that's right. I was thinking Arrakis, and I'm like, it's Krakus something. No, Arrakis. Yeah, you, your props. This isn't even. This is Earth Desert. You, you your, your fake prop can't even stand that. It'd probably yeah. melt before it even hit the ground in Arrakis. Yeah. So th- some of the the main people that they've brought in, uh, some of the new people that they they're bringing forward, um, were not able to to handle filming in the level of heat that the has been plaguing uh, some of the filming locations that they've been going through. Uh, I won't say specifically whether my guy was attached to the Budapest film, the Abu Dhabi, the Jordan, or the Italy film crews, but I will say that uh, the heat was so intense that they actually had to shut down filming very shortly after they begun. So hopefully when the heat wave breaks, they'll be able to get back into filming. But I suspect, based on that information, we are going to see a slight delay in Dune 2's release. Well, let's hope that. Uh, that being... Yeah, it. Uh, it, it props to you guys. No, props to them if they had to take a break. Own it. We want mm-hmm. more of that quality doing you've already delivered. Like, take oh, yeah. whatever the earth is making you take. And honestly, like, take a real break. Talk it, like, experience it like the universe is telling you to sit down. Double or, check um, over your work. Or, and I'm just going to put it out there. Get the still suits to actually work. Just, just saying. Yeah, or well, yeah, you know, yeah, you, obviously, you always... like let's get those functioning quick. Yeah, these you, heat you, waves are not going to stop. You could also no. just, you know, retreat to the to the green screen studios where you can get your uh, you can make your worlds look like whatever you. Of course, uh, you know that's not to say don't do look. But I'm curious as to why if they're feeling as they're why they're going to do it instead of make more sense to wait till it's older at least you know fall springtime realism or they're filming in a southern equipment i i can't give specifics without giving away my contact that you just explained just give us his name his address or excuse me their name (laughs) their address 
actually give me their credit card number that equals their band name um yeah um but what i will say is um some of the locations that they're filming in the reason why they are choosing to film there is not just because villeneuve is is hardened against virtual filming but because some of the architecture in those environments is going to play heavily into the plot of the second half of uh dune okay well and and that's that's awesome that they're using it yeah that they're using uh, i I love it 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 would be like filming it'd be like filming tattooing in a sound just you can't not do tattooing have to go tattooing desert and yeah it's i i totally understand and obviously they they had a plan and that's just it though here's the lesson as in with all things in life don't ever plan your life around weather not gonna not gonna using plastic plastic melts in high temperatures over like 125 degrees we most of us have had action figures that we took out to the sun and then we accidentally left them out there and then we had a lot of paste when we went back to find them yeah 125 such as shield generators that melt under high heat there you go so like let's get back to metal let's uh that's expensive let's make some things you can't actually touch dude expensive these people are raking in millions and millions uh, of dollars that is a you can spend 800 mis- you gotta realize well, they, they uh, all i'm gonna say guys is the, the prop dudes are, are working with the budget they've got and they're doing a fantastic job on that series i've so, loved the look of everything that has come out of their prop department so far yeah, it has that means that the beautiful. money the money people need to give the prop people more money so that they can actually produce well the thing is appropriate John, it, equipment it's, it's not something that's it, it's you would think that's the easy answer is to throw more money no, problem is I, it no i'm it's not necess- no no because no i say throw more money to the people that are already being successful because all those people have to do is now account for the temperatures which usually means using more costly materials so, so, the so thing, it is more of a money issue the thing is people aren't they don't the only time that i've actually heard of somebody actually paying out of pocket for the was vin diesel and his uh riddick film that's the only story that immediately comes to mind and i'm sure there's others where actors have put their own money in but it, rocky but balboa is, literally was made by sylvester stallone riding his bike down the street all of their cutaway scenes there's, there's a ton of like there's situations that's what i mean is like but that's not this is one of those those movies that is worthy of investment okay okay but that's just it that's just it you made it with the last one well no no it's not it's we don't know that though see okay guys let's let's agree that part one was fantastic Mm -hmm. let's agree that we feel victor zaslow uh zaslow should give should basically back a dump truck full of money up to the production and let them do what they need to do to make it even better. I mean, can we? I think we yeah, can agree it with depends that. Depends on yeah. what the, but that's just and, it. You're talking about so, trying to not talk. Not so much just make it better. It's, just 
make it in right now. Okay. So like, I, uh, the reason my I brought answer up... is to the current problem that they've already solved by delaying it, and they'll release the movie when they release the movie, and I respect that as well. But the answer to their current problem is trust that when the product, like the product, the prop department says we need more expensive material, that. Okay. Isn't a lie. Like, we're making not a lot crazy. of they're leaps crazy. here, though. First of all, we're making a lot of leaps, and we need to take like 20 steps back. Firstly, we don't know what the prop department asked for. So we don't want to make assumptions that they didn't ask. We don't want to make assumptions about the budget. The point that I'm trying to make is that the only reason I brought up actors pulling their own money into productions, that is the exception. That's never the rule. The rule is typically mm. the fact that is typically it's an investment meeting. When you pitch a movie, you aren't just pitching. Oh, you know, it's not like Ryan George's pitch meetings, which are all funny and fantastic, by the way, if you watch any of them. Um, it's just, it's not just the plot that you're pitching. You are also pitching the fact that you are pitching the budget. That's a huge portion of movie making that a lot of people don't really realize is that while, yes, they're right. tossing around millions of dollars, they also have to get yeah. investors to put that money into it. Now, I see what you're saying, John. And that's why you, you, you that's why my thing is eat. more along the lines of like as somebody who has worked with supply chain and worked within logistics, like I've worked heard within logistics that, with a blank check. No, not with a blank check. Uh, I thinks that it's a blank check. The blank check is before it, it's easy for everybody, you to get like, easier for you guys a, to get money a, no, than it is Hollywood. No. It well see that's the the thing here is I'm not focused on the total dollar amount. What I'm more saying is to the executive producers, to the money people, when somebody in a certain department thinks that certain materials are more effective and their reasons are hard to explain and then reality explains them, that's why they tried to explain it. Yeah, but like, we don't know if such a I've conversation worked, took place though. Right, and 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 that's why I'm saying like that's that's yeah. why I give off that like, anyway, my answers it, are more supply chain guys. Yeah, like nobody's lying to you intentionally, or most people aren't lying to you during their budget concerns. Yeah. Most people so, anyway, are trying to be efficient. We're at the end of the line now. Um, here now, down to the last five minutes, we do this Thursday, this Thursday, this week on Corio's personal channel we will be joining him live for the first broadcast of transmissions from the rogue council um if you like that uh, paranormal sci-fi crazy discussion stuff that that you get on coast to coast am please join us there uh we will be hosting a 15 minute uh highlight reel each each after each episode on this channel for that but if you want to join the live discussion please Come check us out there. John, what do you have? Oh, I was going to say, Corian, do you want to pitch the rules? Yeah, so the, the rules on the Rogue Council is, um, other than the recap, there will be no recording of the episode. So you either watch it live, watch the recap, or miss out. Uh, we are going to be talking about uh, AI and some of the interesting occult parallels that have happened throughout history. So... It's going to be an interesting discussion, uh, especially with some of the new information that's come to light recently. But again, you're only going to get that discussion if you come out to the show. How do they get it to stay available? 
Well, if if everybody's really good and the show takes off and I wind up getting to the point where I can have a membership, I'm seriously considering at some point put, dumping them all to like a Patreon style system. But they are going to be free for the first time everybody watches. That way, everybody gets an opportunity. It's just for people who want to uh, support the the council, support uh, us as creators, that they be able to go back and watch full episodes later. But as it stands right now, you come out to my channel, uh, follow the links that we provide everywhere. I will provide a link to my channel into the chat right now. And, uh, you know, come out there, come see us. Because uh, that's the only way you're going to get a transmission from the Rogue Council. Yep, and uh, like a special thanks again to Brandon Devil Cry Three. Thank you so much for those intros. I look forward to continuing to work with that type of stuff and get it better integrated. Find him on Twitch. You can find him on Twitch. Um, I don't know exactly what he's doing right now with his current schedule, so we'll get back to you. Uh, obviously, thank you to our listeners who are listening on the podcast. Thank you to anyone watching post-live broadcast. We appreciate all the help. Please give us a like, a subscribe. If you love what we do, I know you hear this from every channel, but it's really the only way that we continue to grow. Um, please also check out Orville Nation and Maria with T and Kelly, both great con- uh, content creators. And, uh, yeah, uh, Gentlemen, is there any quick last uh, couple of second plugs? Uh, obviously, shout out to CC Karaoke. We can't wait to have you back for more. Oh, John, no. did you throw a link in the chat? Yes. Okay, oh. that's good. Just, oh, for uh, Corion's it, channel. For, it's oh. already there. I got it. We're not anyway. seeing it. Yeah. Oh, weird. Oh, I got to unreview it, I guess. Oh. <laughs> uh, that being said, I also want to shout out to everybody that listens. Thank you. We love you. And we hope to see you next week. Yep. And, uh, yeah, I think that's, that covers everything. I think it did start like a couple of seconds late. Uh, yeah, I don't see it in the, all right though. But yes, please check out Corio's personal channel and, uh, we will be back We'll be on this channel. We'll probably try to get a casual filth in this weekend. We didn't last weekend take a break for our respective reasons, but uh, we will definitely try to have more game streams. And of course, we're going to continue to try and grow more content for this channel and this show in particular as we uh... going. Gentlemen, any last shout outs you want to give to anybody before the credits roll? Uh, just to, um, I guess, uh, you know, team uh spy in residence uh thank you guys for providing me more information keep it flowing uh and if you wish to join the illustrious uh, my illustrious network of hollywood spies uh feel free to reach out to me through twitter through email through facebook through all those good things i will always report on whatever you guys provide yep thanks for watching thanks for listening my name's pd york we'll see you next week bye everybody